0: Welcome everyone to the Fantasy Fessionals Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined in studio, as always, by my co-host and good friend, the Fantasy Fessional himself, Mr. Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butter, how we doing this evening, bud? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing hill. Recording this on a Wednesday evening, man. So we had our first super wild card weekend in the NFL, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, six games on the weekends. Better than four, right? So really enjoyed that. We'll talk about all those games. We've got the divisional round coming up this week, Butter. Uh, lots to talk about and digest there. we get, we got some coaches on the move, some coach firings this week. Uh, one maybe somewhat surprising, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But uh, before we get into all the hot football talk, my friend, as always, Got to show some love to our sponsor, and of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben Chad and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. It's the best damn sports bar in Oklahoma, and there's no better place to have a conversation about the NFL and watch the divisional round playoff games this weekend. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar, period. Absolutely, my friend. But before we recap the super wild card weekend games that took place this past weekend, got to talk about a little bit of news that's uh, uh, out there in the NFL world. Got to start in the NFC East or the NFC Least, as we like to call it, my friend. The Philadelphia Eagles news comes out yesterday. Doug Peterson is out. Uh, Somewhat surprising. I know there was a lot of scuttlebutt in that Week 17 game. We talked about it on this pod. Everybody else did as well. You know, the peculiar decision, I'll say, to take Jalen Hurts out of the fourth quarter of a tight ball game with the Washington football team. Washington ends up going on to win, host a playoff game, which we'll talk about how that played out for uh, Washington uh, here in a moment. The thought was that, well, he wouldn't have done that if he didn't have assurances that he was going to keep his job, right? So why would you do that? Well, here we are two weeks later, and he's out of a job. Your thoughts on this, and maybe who are the Eagles going to look to at this point?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean – Uh, he's a, he's a Super Bowl winner with the Eagles. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I don't think that the way that he handled the, uh, Carson Wentz situation, um, was very good. I mean, and I don't think that it was good for the Eagles. I don't think it was good for Carson Wentz, even though, I mean, I'm glad that Jalen Hurts did get to, uh, did get to start and hopefully, I mean, he might be the quarterback of the future up there, but. You know, I mean, uh, obviously, like the, the game versus the Washington Redskins, I mean, where you just give up. I mean.
0: Washington football team now, right? The so. no,
1: Washington football team, <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Where you, I've done it a couple times as well.
1: Where you just give up. I mean, uh, that's just not good. That's not good for your fans. That's not good for the NFL. Um, and that's not good for your players either. I mean, uh, you can't just give up, you know. Um, I would say that uh, some of the. Some of the um, coaches that uh, I would say would apply for that job, I mean, I, I think probably Jason Garrett applies for that job, um, former Dallas Cowboys coach. Um, I think that um, Eric enemy who's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of
0: interest in him right now across the league, yeah.
1: I think that uh, that he probably applies for that job. Um, Marvin Lewis. um former uh cincinnati Bengals um head coach joe brady who's the uh offensive coordinator at uh the carolina panthers i mean his name has been kind of um tossed up i mean one one guy that i don't think is going to apply for it will be dan quinn who uh became the Defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think an upgrade, right? So uh, I, I'm actually looking forward. He's been a, a really good defensive coordinator in the past. I think that's essentially how he got that job at Atlanta. You know, several several years ago. And um, again, not not the season that they wanted, right? I have an egg on my face because they were my uh, preseason pick. You rewind all the way back to. Uh, September and I, I, said the the Falcons are going to surprise and and I guess they did surprise in them <laughs> to well, the wrong end of the spectrum.
1: But, one coach that I think is probably on the Philadelphia Eagles list that I'm hoping that uh, says that he's. St- happy at Oklahoma is Lincoln Riley.
0: Yeah his name always pops up right so in in the success that he's had kind of that offensive uh, innovation that uh, that he brings to the game as well is that his name is always going to pop up whenever these big jobs kind of come available and so yeah I'm with you fingers crossed and uh, from a selfish standpoint that uh, coach Riley stays here in Norman uh, with the Sooners and and I think he will but uh, yeah definitely at some point in time NFL is going to turn his head eventually, but you know other news, uh, kind of an interesting move here is that uh, Brian Schottenheimer, offensive coordinator at Seattle, he's out of a job, and we'll talk about this game here in a moment. But uh, you know they lose obviously uh, in kind of surprising fashion, perhaps uh, to the uh, LA Rams in the uh, Super Wildcard weekend uh, at home, had a home playoff game, um, they lose thirty to twenty to the Rams, and so you assumed that there would be some changes because uh, you know, the Seahawks. They looked so good at times, and then kind of sputtered at other times, and just couldn't get it all to click for whatever reason. And so, yeah, uh, definitely kind of interesting move here. But they got talent on offense, man. You think about Russell Wilson at quarterback. You got DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett there. Chris Carson is a serviceable NFL running back. I mean, from an offensive coordinator standpoint, that's a desirable job, I would think. But just because of the talent in the players that you're going to be able to work with, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll touch on this here in just a second, but. You know, I mean, um, obviously, I mean, um, one of the things that, that I think about, if you look back at the game, I mean, yeah, they scored 20 points, but they also gave up 30. So, I mean, um, 20 points with the Seahawks, that usually wins games. So,
0: Yep, absolutely. And 32, a – a depleted Rams offense, I think would be fair to say. Now, one, they had a pick six, right? So that kind of added to the tally as well on that screen pass that uh, Russell Wilson tried to get out there quickly, and they jumped it. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting move there, and you would think that uh, there would be some high-profile offensive minds that uh, might want to take that job in the future, so we'll see.
1: And, I mean, obviously, I mean, Russell Wilson had, had a bad game, uh, was only 11 of 27. You know, I mean, <clears throat> who knows if that was – offensive coordinator uh, Brian Schottenheimer's fault for calling the plays or if Russell Wilson just didn't have a bad game I mean to me it looked like that um, the Seahawks were just kind of off yeah I agree
0: and again that that Rams defense can make you look off I mean they're they're pretty salty and so uh, they'll get their uh, uh, chance at uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming up this weekend as well and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the pod but But our next story I've got up here, and it's cliche and kind of silly, and I I say it with tongue uh, planted firmly in cheek, but it's Houston. We have a problem. Uh, Deshaun Watson is not happy uh, with the brass uh, down uh, in Houston. The uh, the Texans GM search kind of, you know, he felt like he wasn't consulted in a manner that perhaps he would have, right? Uh, Texans end up hiring, um, his name escapes me, Casimiro Kas- or something, the uh, well, uh, Patriots guy, right? So he's mm-hmm. in the Patriots organization. Um, you know, I don't know that, that Deshaun Watson necessarily has an opinion on the guy one way or the other, but sound like he was a little irked with regards to the fact that he was told he was going to be maybe looped into the process and then perhaps he wasn't. Um, has been quite vocal that he's unhappy. Talks are coming out this week that uh, Houston may be looking for a trade partner there, and they're going to ask for a King's King's ransom, I would assume, and rightfully so, because Deshaun Watson is just one of uh, the the most fantastic and electric players. Got the big contract in the offseason, right? So he's getting well paid now, and so that'll factor in to any potential trade partners for salary cap purposes as well. But your thoughts on this developing situation, can they salvage the relationship? You alluded to it earlier, right, Doug Peterson, you know, kind of maybe mishandling a quick QB situation there in mm-hmm. Philly with Carson Wentz. But, you know, this is something that they need to nip in the bud quickly and get their star player back on the right side of things and back on the happy happy train, if you will. or, or Otherwise, they, they are going to probably have to move him, right? Well, I mean,
1: obviously, I mean, uh, the, the, the problem lies where um... – the owners of the Houston Texans gave Bill O'Brien free reign over who he brought in offensive and defensive philosophy, as well as being the head coach. And then, uh, he made some rather ignorant decisions, um, letting DeAndre Hopkins, uh, go to the, uh, the Cardinals, you know, I mean, so obviously, I mean, he did not make a lot of good decisions, uh, down there at Houston. And I think that is kind of even though he's gone, I still think that they're having issues, you know what I mean? So uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, if he's, if he's your quarterback, if he's your franchise player, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you tell him that uh, he's going to have some say so and who the head coach and who the GM and stuff like that is, then you probably need to just say, Hey, look, I mean, this is who we're going to hire. I mean, do you have an issue with that? I mean, but you know, I mean, obviously, I mean I'm surprised, I'm not I'm I'm surprised that we haven't heard that he wants out sooner than, than right now.
0: Yeah, and you would think that you know getting paid is one thing, right? And he deserves that money, right? I think it's forty million dollars a year, give a four year, one hundred sixty million dollar contract extension, whatever it was. But I think he wants to win more than anything else. He's a you know uh, super competitive guy. You know he's had a ton of success at every level, has been relatively successful throughout his young career there with the Texans, right? Leading them to the playoffs a few times. They can't really seem to get over that hump. But you know one of those lasting images of Week Seventeen was you know JJ Watt kind of throwing his arm around him, and they're kind of walking off uh, the field together, and you know they're my Up, you can kind of hear them saying, Hey, man, we're sorry. I waste we wasted one of your years. I'm sorry, man. So, this should have been essentially JJ Watt saying, Hey, we should be better than this. We should have had an opportunity to kind of do something. Again, they they lose um, a high scoring affair to the Tennessee Titans there in week 17, which allowed the Titans to kind of cleanse that division and host a playoff game, which didn't work out so well for them. But, uh, you know, kind of a poignant moment there at the end of the season where you know the superstar stud on the defensive side talking to the superstar quarterback, right? And, you know, around those two guys, you know, they're building blocks there, but, man, they 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 need a lot of help at a lot of other places, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, one of those things, you know, I mean, obviously your offensive leader's is going to be Deshaun Watson and your defensive leader is going to be J.J. Watt. Uh, you can build a team around uh, those two players, but your two players have to be on board as well. Um like I said, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised by reading this and like, uh, seeing that he's, uh, wanting to get out. I mean, because the ownership this year, I mean, for him, not for the team, not being successful, all lies back to who they had calling the shots. And so, um, you know, I mean, they, he didn't have a go-to receiver all year long, uh, Bill O'Brien made some really bad off-season moves, uh, traded away one of their best players. So I mean, I could I could understand why you're not happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned that you know, those decisions by Bill O'Brien, you know, they, they took place over a two-, three-year period, right? And I think the problem, uh, if I'm Deshaun Watson looking at this, you know, being realistic, is that I don't think there's a quick fix, right? I think it's going to be two or three years before they kind of get back and kind of are able to make up for some of the poor GM decisions that Bill O'Brien had made, right? And so, and I think it's easy to say that now, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? They, they may have looked like uh, they were decent decisions or good decisions at the time, but obviously they just haven't panned out and haven't worked out. But, yeah, uh, tough there because, you know, Both those guys want to win, that being Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. And, again, guys that are probably at different ends of the spectrum of their career, right? So, J.J. Watt, you know, been in the league for quite some time now and had a ton of injury problems as well. I think he can kind of see, you know, the sand getting close to the end of the hourglass, so to speak, right? So, whereas I think Deshaun Watson, he probably has a decade left in this league at this point. So, a relatively young guy. And, again, quarterbacks. We'll talk about two quarterbacks that are playing well into their mid-40s a little bit later on in the pod, so um, you would anticipate that he's got a long career ahead of him. But, you know, uh, you don't want to be patient. You want to win now, and so understandable from that standpoint. But, yeah, definitely one of the big talking points this week and will obviously be an off-season story that uh, we'll have to keep tabs on uh, in the days, weeks, and uh, perhaps months to come. So. Well, Butter, I want to spend the meat and potatoes of this pod, this week's pod, on on the actual games themselves, my friend. So again, six wild card playoff games this past weekend: three on Saturday, three on Sunday. We got four divisional round games that all look pretty tasty on paper. So super excited about those, bud. But let's just dive into it recap this past weekend let's start with the first game which we said it last week on the pod this might be the best playoff game of the weekend and it kind of sucks that it's the we're going to lead off with this game and it did not disappoint bills end up winning this thing 27 24 colts cover the spread right because the spread was six and a half the total was almost spot on i think it was 51 51 and a half depending upon your book here but a really good football game and a really close game throughout right so it it was it was fun to watch i enjoyed this game
1: yeah i did too um You know I mean it was uh like you said I mean uh w- we said that this was the best uh the best football game uh, for last week you know I mean the best matchup and man I mean it, it, it was not a disappointing game uh you know I mean Josh Allen and uh the Bills they figured out a way to win uh their first playoff victory in a quarter of a century you know I mean um, Josh Allen I mean made the plays that he needed to make um you know I mean against the a pretty good, uh, Colts defense, you know, uh, Stefan Diggs, I mean, man, him he, he looked really, really good, had a great game. Um, and then, you know, I mean, they just, uh, they, they figured out a way to, to put the Colts away. I mean, in, in a game that, uh, a lot of people, um, a lot of people were probably surprised that it was a lot closer than what, I mean, 27, 24. I mean, that's just a, I mean, that's a, that's a good game.
0: Yeah, and the Colts, I mean, they were right there in it. And, and I, I was talking to our man Chad Ford earlier today um, that there was an interesting stat that came out to where I think the Colts were the first team in playoff history to have more than 400 yards of total offense, no turnovers, and gave up no sacks, and they lost the game. So, I think you look at it to say, from a Bills fan perspective, it's like we took this team's absolute best shot and we were still able to win. You know, the teams in the future, are we going to be able to play teams in the playoffs over the next two or three rounds that are going to play? you know, almost perfect football, right? And you think back to that decision that Frank Wright made right before halftime, there are two minutes to go, give or take, in the second quarter, to where they went for it, down on the goal line, fourth and one, fourth or two, whatever it was. You know, Phillip Rivers has a man open on play action, just overthrows him into just misses it, and then the Bills take it, march down the field, score a touchdown right before half, and it's, a you know, end up going in with a halftime lead of 14 to 10. But if the Colts convert there, it's 17 to 7, right? And maybe the Bills do, still get a score, you know, field goal, whatever it is. But the Colts have a halftime lead as opposed to a halftime deficit. And then the Bills get the ball, and, you know, start of the third quarter, they go score and kind of open up a little bit of breathing room there. And then the Colts kind of had to play catch-up, which they did a pretty good job of doing, right? So 14 points in the fourth quarter there to make it a close, interesting game. But, yeah, I mean, we we were kind of looking at it from two different ends of the spectrum when, when I was talking with Chad as to, you know, from a Bills fan, do you take heart in the sense that, man, you, a team almost played perfect against you and you still overcame it and were able to find a way to win whenever it was all said and done. And yeah, Josh Allen, hell of a quarterback, man. So just a fantastic player. And uh, he he's going to be able to make plays throughout, I think. I think he's the real deal, Butter.
1: And, uh, you know, I mean, another thing, you know, I mean, with the Colts, you know, I mean, um, they keep their team together. I mean, they're going to be right back in the they're thick of
0: far. things. They're not right. far. You yes. and I both liked them all season long. They are they're, not far away. They're, they're going to be
1: right back in the thick of things. I yeah. mean, you got uh, – Rookie Jonathan Taylor, I mean, who looked really, really good. I mean, we we got to uh, keep up with him a lot uh, before he got in the NFL because I mean, he was just such a a great college and uh, fantasy back in our league.
0: Yep, Wisconsin Badger there, yeah, fantastic play. Probably going to end up being offensive rookie of the year. You think? Yes, I know Justin Jefferson, obviously uh, a big time a candidate for that as well. But uh, so yeah, definitely some options there. But uh, the leading rookie rusher. Uh, in running backs as well, so yeah, I think he's got a, got a long career ahead of him. Uh, kind of a uh, unique blend of size, speed, and power there, but the hell of a player. And I'm with you; they're not far away. Uh, again, I, I picked the Colts to win that AFC South this year. I'll probably double down and pick them again uh, to win it next year uh, as well. But they're they're a pretty good football team. So, well, let's go to the Saturday afternoon slot. We alluded to it earlier, right? So uh, head coach or offensive coordinator, I should say, uh, Brian Schottenheimer ends up losing his job after it's all said and done. But the Rams go up to Seattle in a mild upset, I guess, right? Seahawks were a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite going into it. We talked about it on the pod last week. It's like, damn, that that line looks funny. You know, the Seahawks, it feels like they should be a bigger favorite than what they are, what's going on. Right, Wolford was going to be the starting quarterback for the Rams, which he was. Wasn't in the game for very long until he gets knocked out. Kind of a scary, scary, you know, moment there. He got, kind of took a shot to the head and the neck, uh, and he was out for the rest of the game. Enter Jared Goff in his busted-up thumb <laughs> And then I'll be damned if they weren't able to turn around and hand the ball off to Cam Akers. The defense made some big plays, had a pick six against Russell Wilson, and they do enough to find a way to win on the road against the Seahawks 30-20. to 20. Uh, Your thoughts on the Rams, and, again, big-time performance by them, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, like like you said, we had talked about it all uh, last week on the pod that, like, the for some reason, the line and and all that just looked really, really strange and looked really, really, really funny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, and then you touched on uh, Wofford getting knocked out of the game. And then Jared Goff, who's banged up himself, coming in and um, leading the the Rams to a victory. But, you know, I mean, it was one of those games where, you know, I mean, uh, offensively and defensively combined, the Rams just outplayed them, outplayed the Seahawks. I mean, uh, the game was 30 to 20. But really, I mean, uh, the Seahawks were playing catch up all day long.
0: Yeah, it didn't have the feel of, of being a fluke, right? So it looked like the Rams kind of come out and pounced on them early and, uh, and just looked like the better team. And, again, that Rams defense, they're awesome, man. So that defensive line led by Aaron Donald, one of the best in the league. And then the secondary with Jalen Ramsey, again, one of the best in the league. And that's going to be a real interesting matchup uh, coming up this weekend in the divisional round. Uh, whenever the Rams take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the number one overall seed in the NFC. So looking forward to that one. Real clash of styles there, right? So Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams throwing the ball all over the field. You think about them playing great offense. Aaron Jones at running back. And then that Rams defense, I mean, they're they're legit. We'll see if it travels uh, from the, uh, the the nice weather of L.A. up to the, uh, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, as they always say. But uh, that's going to be a fun game as well. But, uh, yeah, congrats. Deshaun McVay and the Rams. He he continues to find ways to win games. And uh, I think he's a pretty good football coach, Butter. But mm-hmm. Nightcap on Saturday, Bucks over the Washington football team, 31-23. Again, right on the line from a spread standpoint. This one, it was eight, eight and a half, nine, depending upon your book and when you kind of chimed in and got it here. But, you know, not not surprising that the Bucks win. They were the favorite for a reason. Tom Brady, you know, it goes without saying. But, you know, I'll tell you, I was really impressed with that Washington football team, right? Taylor Heineke comes in, Alex Smith not able to go. That news kind of broke late in the day kind of leading up to the game that it was going to be Heineke's game uh, to, to start for Washington. And the kid made a pretty good account of himself, man. So I was I was really impressed. He was mobile, right, was able to kind of get out of the pocket and move and make some plays and uh, um, kept Washington in it, you know, late into the fourth quarter and stuff. But uh, your thoughts on Bucks and Washington from Saturday night, Butter?
1: Yeah, I mean, like um... – I mean, everybody expected Alex Smith to uh, to play in this game, and I mean, he was a he was a scratch. I mean, wasn't able to go, uh, but then, <clears throat> I mean, the Buccaneers. I mean, that Tom Brady. I mean, just uh, this is his time. Um, this is what he is good at in the playoffs. Uh, th- this is the kind of games that he that he can win. This is what having uh, his uh, experience. I mean. I think that the Buccaneers. I mean, I think that they that they go far in this in the playoffs. I mean, um, obviously, I mean they they were without Ronald Jones. I mean, he didn't get to play. Leonard Fournette. I mean, had a really really good game. Mike Evans had a really good game. I think Antonio Brown had a had a long touchdown. Yeah, pass. He, he caught he a touchdown. Yep, yep. I mean, like I said, I mean the Buccaneers' offense just really really looks like it's gelling right now. So yeah. Um, but like you said, um, Washington. I mean, give them credit. I mean from the NFC least, I mean, they, they kept it close, um, Heineke, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, nobody expected him to start, I mean, um, and probably really, nobody really expected him to keep it as close as he did, but I mean, I mean, he, he, uh, was able to, to get some passing yards in, was able to run the ball on, on the Buccaneers, which, um, you know, I mean, the Washington defense, I mean, I think that they're going to be pretty, pretty solid, The Washington defense coming – that's going to be coming back next
0: year. Yep, I'm with you. I think that that Washington team isn't far. And, again, it starts with that defensive line – uh, they're really, really good. Uh, I think they're they're pretty good on defense throughout, and they've got some decent skill position players too. Right, you get McLaurin at wide receiver, you get Gibson at running back, a uh, Logan Thomas, uh, kind of the converted uh, college quarterback to tight in, and it I don't know that Taylor Heineke is the quarterback of the future there, right? He had a really good showing, uh, kind of you know stepped up in the moment, um, you know I think that remains to be seen there, but you would think that. You know, Alex Smith probably not the long term option, but one way or the other, fantastic story that he was able to come back from that awful, awful injury a couple of years ago, uh, and and so rooting for him and hope things work out. But they may just be a quarterback away. I don't know. I mean, they're they're. It's kind of from a Cowboys fan perspective. Washington's a little scary right now because I think they're not that far away from being a really good complete football team. But you know, maybe the Heineke kid made himself some money Saturday night, right? Yeah. So maybe he catches on with a backup somewhere else. Maybe gets a decent contract out of it. Maybe maybe stays there in Washington, right? So maybe they reward him. But uh, yeah, good showing for him and uh, rooting for the kid was a great great uh, college quarterback at Old Dominion, right? So we kind of know about him from fantasy standpoint there in the college game. But uh, has some talent, has a little bit of wiggle to him. So I, I thought he played well. But again, bucked uh, too much, uh, too much Tom Brady, uh, and didn't really anticipate them going out so early, and um, sets up a really, really fun matchup uh, between Tom Brady and uh, Drew Brees, which we'll talk about here a little bit later. So, well, let's move ahead to Sunday at the that noon slot, one o'clock Eastern time. Butter the lowest scoring game. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, actually, the second lowest scoring game. There, there were a couple low scoring games on Sunday afternoon, but Ravens win on the road in Nashville over the Titans 20-13 to in, in low scoring in the sense that I guess I was somewhat surprised um, at how low scoring this was, and maybe perhaps because of the Ravens' defense played so well. I mean, they, they shut Derrick Henry down, right? So I think he had 40 yards rushing when it was all said and done. You know, Tannehill didn't have the play action off of it because they they just weren't having any success running the football. And then Lamar Jackson makes two or three plays running the ball and making a couple big throws, and that's really all they needed in a low scoring affair. Ravens went at twenty to thirteen, so Ravens cover the spread, the under hits. Your thoughts on this Sunday afternoon matchup, bud?
1: Well, it was one of those matchups, you know, looking on looking at it on paper, uh, where if you would have told me that, hey, somebody's gonna uh going to run for 136 yards, I'm going to tell you, yeah, it's going to be Derek Henry and he's probably going to rush for more than that. But that wasn't the case. You know I mean? Um, just right out of the gate, um, Ryan Taney looked really good in the first quarter. Now uh, the rest of the game, I mean, not so much. And I think one of the reasons why uh, Ryan Taney Hill didn't look good is because they shut Derek Henry down. I mean, probably had the least yards that he's had this year and probably last year I would assume um, because he was not able to create space was not able to find any type of running room against a very very solid this past week Ravens defense Um, you know I mean Lamar Jackson I mean he was able to run the ball uh, didn't have a lot of passing yards had 179 but uh, was able to run the ball and was able to make enough plays to um, to uh, to win this ballgame. You know, I mean, like I said, it was 10 to nothing after the first quarter, but the Ravens kind of, their defense kind of dominated the rest of the game, uh, only allowed three points through three quarters. And then uh, Lamar Jackson, with uh, having the run pass option, uh, was able to make enough plays and to create separation, uh, Running the ball and to, uh, you know, I mean, Marquise Brown had a pretty damn good game, 109 yards. He did, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, Lamar Jackson was just able uh, uh, was able to make enough plays for the the Ravens to win the ball game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned, you know, the Titans getting off to a relatively quick start there in the first quarter. You know, they were up ten nothing after the first quarter. Then were only able to manage a field goal, you know, late in the fourth quarter. You know, from that point on, but. um you know what I thought was interesting is that Lamar Jackson made a couple of big plays, but he didn't, he didn't make a ton of mistakes, right? He had that one interception in the first quarter, you know, kind of a badly underthrown ball there. To, he, I think he made the right read. He had a guy that was open. Had he had he made a better throw, uh, and then after that, you know, it was kind of they flipped a switch, saying, "Hey, look, I'm not going to let this happen again," right? And much has been made about Lamar Jackson's struggles in the postseason, about how he's been so good in the regular season, you know, putting up all these fantasy numbers and crazy stats, and then you know he can't win the big game once it gets to the playoffs, and and I'm sure that that's a big relief and a big weight off his shoulders to you know not only get that first win but to overcome an early mistake and then play so well after that and really played within himself right you mentioned not a ton of passing yards but he was 17 out of 24 uh, so so relatively accurate in that regard and then just a couple of runs that man you get him out in open field i mean he is dangerous and uh you can't really uh, blink and uh and miss him uh, because uh after that after that point you're chasing him from behind you're not going to catch him but uh yeah kind of a, an interesting i had the titans in that one so i'm wrong right i had the titans plus the three and a half or whatever it was so i was on the wrong end of that uh, but a uh, big win for the ravens and so uh, yeah kudos to them and uh, they will go on and play the bills and we'll talk about that one here in a moment as well so well, let's go Sunday afternoon, Butter. Saints over the Bears 21-9. to Right, It was 21-3, to and then the Bears, from my standpoint, it wasn't a meaningless touchdown because I had the Bears on a teaser, and so that uh, Jimmy Graham touchdown on the last play of the game meant a lot to me because <laughs> it uh, won me some money, so I was tickled with that. But, you know, the Bears' offense – I mean, it's not very good, right? So we, we, we kind of thought that that would be the case. Uh, the Bears defense kept them in the game, right? As as it kind of progressed, uh, it was a you know seven to three at half, I think, and then a, you know fourteen to three going into the fourth quarter. Um, but uh, you know, just on the field too long, the offense couldn't really get anything going. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. You know, not one of his finer moments whenever it's all said and done. Alvin Kamara comes back from COVID, plays really, really well, looks good. Um, uh, You know, Michael Thomas has a few catches here and there. Drew Brees doesn't make any terrible mistakes, puts up a decent stat line whenever it's all said and done. Equals a Saints victory, and they're moving on, right? So, But uh, your thoughts on this game?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, like you said, I mean, the Bears offense, I mean, coming into this game, they had been better – the last uh, three to four weeks <clears throat> on offense, but you know, I mean, I mean, like you said, the Saints just made enough plays. Um, I mean, the Bears didn't have any offense really at all until the um, the fourth quarter. You know, I mean, the uh, the Saints, I mean, kind of kept the Bears' offense in check, and it was one of those games where Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas, they made enough plays to win the ball game, and really, you know, I mean. Um, it was probably closer than, than uh, what it should have been, but you know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, just Drew Brees uh, with the experience that he's got. I mean, he's one of those guys that you just kind of, you kind of just say, "Hey, look, go make us enough plays to win," and that's what he did.
0: Yeah, and it did feel like in the second half, certainly late into the third quarter and early into the fourth that New Orleans got a little conservative, maybe on their offensive play calling, right? It's like, hey, look, we don't need to do anything fancy or anything silly here. Let's just run the ball. Let's just, you know, be safe in our past selections and not make any stupid mistakes to let the Bears back into this thing. And it worked. Again, the Bears just couldn't get anything going. And kudos to the Saints' defense as well. So, uh, yeah, again, sets up that fun, fun matchup between Drew Brees and Tom Brady on Sunday evening. Which we'll preview here in a moment. But, well, for a game that lacked a whole lot of offense butter on Sunday afternoon with the Saints and the Bears, my goodness, the Sunday night matchup made up for it and then some. Browns 48, Steelers 37. Again, the first time the Browns have been in the playoffs since 2002. They get their shot against their hated, bitter rivalry. You, you know the emotional intensity uh, was just super high, despite the fact that you know Cleveland was out there head coach, Kevin Stavansky, along with a lot of, a lot of other assistants as well. I mean, just a crazy, crazy game and, and a shocking first-quarter performance Browns were up twenty eight to nothing with like three minutes, two and a half minutes to go in the first quarter, butter. Again, everything that could go wrong for the Steelers went wrong for them. You know, almost starting from the opening snap whenever it went over Big Ben's head and the Steelers or the Browns, I should say, recover it for a touchdown. Again, happy for Baker Mayfield. We got a local tie in there, so so glad that the Browns win, but I don't think either of us saw it happening in this fashion, right?
1: No, I mean <clears throat> it, it was one of those things where um the Browns came out early and uh, made some defensive plays, and then uh, made some offensive plays. And the next thing you know, it's twenty-eight to nothing. Which you know, I mean, Big Ben, I think he finished today with four interceptions, and the the final score ended up being forty-eight to thirty-seven. But this game was not anywhere close to that final score because uh, the Steelers were playing catch-up the whole game, and uh, I mean, Big Ben, I mean, he ended up throwing for five hundred and one yards, which I think is. I think it's a record. Yeah, I
0: believe so. Yeah, definitely a Steelers playoff record, I think is what they said. And I think
1: uh, 47 completions, I think, was another record. But, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, Baker and the Browns, I mean, their defense looked pretty damn good. Um, And they were kind of on coast mode. um, They're playing a lot of
0: prevent defense in the second half as well. I think that led to Big Ben's big numbers. In in the the
1: second half, I mean, they wanted to win the game. But they, um, they really didn't want to give up a really, really big play. I mean, they were making them work for it. But uh, I think playing the prevent defense, they were making them use the clock to score, so –
0: Yep, absolutely. And again, uh, you know, happy for Baker Mayfield. They, they set up a big time matchup uh, at Kansas City, uh, the number one overall seed uh, uh, Chiefs at 14 and two best record in the NFL. We'll talk about that game here in a moment. But yeah, I mean, they had, there was a lot of pent up frustration, right? So two, three decades worth, probably, if you want to go back in time uh, with regards to the Browns and the Steelers. Again, the Browns kind of been that little brother to, to a certain degree. And the fact that, you know, an interesting juxtaposition that the Steelers had the chance to win that game at Cleveland in Week 17. Had they won that game, the Browns wouldn't have been in the playoffs. Browns find a way to hold on for that two-point victory. Uh, again, Steelers kind of take the week off to a certain degree, right? They rest a lot of starters, and understandably so. Not, not to second-guessing them in that regard, but just crazy to think had the Steelers found a way to win that game the browns wouldn't have been in the playoffs but the fact that the browns win it they get another shot at on the following week and uh, man they did not waste that opportunity so just a, a crazy crazy start to the game and they were fired up again 28 nothing after the first quarter 35 to 10 at halftime and it was kind of all she wrote from that point forward so well butter that's the preview, or review, I should say, of the Wild Card weekend. we got to get into some previews of the divisional round now, my friend. And so, again, I think we'll just take them in order here, bud. So let's start off with the Saturday afternoon game of the divisional round here. The Los Angeles Rams coming off that big win against Seattle on the road. They travel to Lambeau Field to take on... Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, again, the number one overall seed in the NFC. No surprise that the Packers are a favorite here. Current line's at six and a half. The total here, 45 and a half, 45, depending upon your book. Your thoughts on Rams and Packers and who you picking in this one, bud? Well,
1: I mean, of course, the the Packers are coming off a bye week because they are the number one seed. Uh, Rams coming off a very big win uh, over the Seahawks. Uh, The game is going to be at Lambeau Field. Um... You know, I mean Aaron Rodgers, I mean, this is his type of game. I mean, supposed to be about thirty degrees, uh probably gonna be some slight snow. slight
0: chance for flurries, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh the total six and a half, um, forty five and a half over under. I like the Packers in this game. Uh, I like them to cover. Um, I think the score will probably be around thirty five to twenty.
0: Okay, so you like the over then? So thirty-five twenty. I'm with you on the Packers covering the spread. I, I like the Packers to win this game. I'm going to lean towards the under here, simply because I do think that Rams defense is legit. You hope that Aaron Donald's healthy, right? So he had that rib injury, you know, kind of in the second half against that uh, win against the Seahawks. So we don't know, you know, what his status is. But he's a he's a pretty tough hombre. So I would anticipate that he's going to play in the game, uh, regardless of what his injury status is. But I do think that Rams defense is good. But I just don't know. I guess we don't know who's going to play quarterback, right? We're going to assume that it's going to be uh, uh, Goff at this point, uh, given that, again, kind of a nasty hit that Wolfer took last week uh, early in the game against the Seahawks, so I wouldn't anticipate that he'll be ready. Cold weather, busted thumb, going to be hard to grip the ball, squeeze the ball, right? You you, you hit that thumb on a helmet or, or it hits wrong, right? That's going to throw you throw you off there, and I just don't think the Packers – are going to let Cam Akers beat them right? I think they're going to pack the box, uh pardon the pun, and and, uh, and not let the uh, Rams run the ball. And so I think that all kind of factors into a relatively low-scoring game, but I do like the Packers to win by let's say 10, 13 points, whatever it is. I'll I'll go 27 to 14, something like that. But I think it's going to be low-scoring, but I do like the Packers uh, to win and win relatively comfortably whenever it's all said and done. So, well, let's go Saturday Night Butter. Again, Probably the the matchup I'm most anticipating. Bucks and Saints is going to be a lot of fun, but I I like – this young quarterback matchup here, Ravens at the Bills on Saturday night. A Buffalo favored in this one, but but a small favorite at 2.5 points. The total here, 50, 50 points, 50.5, 50 again, depending upon your book. Uh, your thoughts on Ravens and Bills. Again, both teams looked really, really good in week uh, the, the wild card weekend. Have a lot of momentum coming into this. You look at the last few weeks of the regular season here, but uh, your thoughts on this one, Ravens at the Bills.
1: I mean, obviously, you're going to have a really big quarterback matchup this week. You're going to have Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, who both kind of are the same style of quarterback, uh, playing up at uh, the Bills Stadium up in in Orchard Park. But, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, as much as I like Lamar Jackson, I think Josh Allen, I think... uh, he, he He's a better quarterback this year. Um, I think that the Buffalo Bills team, it's, there's something different about them this year. I mean, I think that they uh, have definitely have the talent. And I think they have the willpower to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, so I like the Buffalo Bills to cover in this one, and I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one, so I would lean towards the over.
0: Yep, we're on the same page. I like the Bills in the over as well. Uh, again, I think this thing has a little bit of a shootout to it, uh, kind of written all over it. I would anticipate – uh, that the Bills, you know, they want to get out to a quick lead, right? So we we talked about, you know, the Ravens uh, not necessarily built to come from behind. Uh, and so I would anticipate that the Bills kind of come out and blitz them early, uh, maybe, maybe score, you know, 10 points, you know, 14 points, whatever it is. Uh, and then it's kind of back and forth from that point forward. But I'm with you. I think the Bills are just a more complete team uh, whenever it's all said and done. And I would anticipate that Lamar Jackson is going to play well going to have put up a, a lot of stats uh, from a passing uh, and certainly from a rushing standpoint. And he'll have a couple of runs where he breaks loose. Looks like the Bills got him dead to rights. He makes somebody miss and uh, uh, ends up running for a 30, 40 yards or whatever it may be. But, um, again, I just think the Bills, you know, I think a lot of people look at it saying, like, well, the hell, they just barely beat the Colts last week. But as we talked about it earlier in the pod, I think that's a positive. The Colts all played almost a damn near perfect football game, and the Bills still found a way to beat them whenever it was all said and done. And I think the Colts, maybe a better overall football team than the Ravens, whenever it's all said and done. So we're on the same page. Bill's in the over. Uh, I'm with you. I'll take the same. So, well, let's go Sunday. The early kickoff here, uh, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern here, Butter. Excited about this one, man. Browns at the Chiefs. Again, Browns coming off that huge win. Chiefs coming off a bye week, right? So they should be well-rested on this one. Line right now, Chiefs minus 10, minus 10 and a half, depending upon your book. So a big favorite there, and maybe not so surprising. The total here up to 57, 56 and a half, depending upon your book. So Vegas expecting a lot of points in this one. But uh, your thoughts on this one, Butter. Do the Browns have a chance to pull the upset here?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm gonna uh agree with the sports book. I mean, I think that this game has shootout written all over it. Um I think you've got the High-powered Chiefs offense against uh, a Cleveland Browns defense—that's that's that's pretty good. But I mean, I think that uh, I think that the Browns and Baker Mayfield—I um, think that they try to run the ball. But I do think that this game is going to be a shootout because I think the way that the Chiefs score, the Browns are going to have to score and score quick to to keep up with them. But I do think that the Browns will get some stops. Uh, I would lean towards uh, taking the points in this one because I think the Browns, uh, 10, 10 half points, I think that if they do lose, I think it's going to be by one possession, uh, probably uh, six to seven points. Um, I want to pick the Browns to um, for the upset, but, man, I mean, it's just hard to go against the Chiefs uh, at home.
0: Yep, I'm I'm with you, Butter. I think this game has shootout written all over it as well. So I lean towards the over, despite the fact that it is a relatively high total here at 56 and a half. Uh, but I think 10 points is a lot of points in any NFL game, Butter, especially in a playoff game. But I I think the Chiefs, a lot of people are looking at saying, hey, look, you know, the the Chiefs are kind of playing down to their competition or within a lot of these close games, I I think they kind of got bored down the stretch, to be honest with you. I think the Browns may be getting a little bit of juice on that with with that big performance against the Steelers last Sunday, night, scoring 48 points and coming out and playing so strongly early on in that game. Super high emotional intensity in that game because it was their first playoff game in such a long time. They were playing against their hated rivals in the Steelers. I don't know that they're going to be able to match that same intensity this weekend and I think the Chiefs are all about that business man so I like the Chiefs to win and cover and again I lean towards the over I think it's a 41-24 type of game something like that but uh, I think the Chiefs end up winning this thing and winning it comfortably whenever it's all said and done but I hope I'm wrong I hope Baker and the Browns make it competitive and uh, wouldn't you know wouldn't be hurt if uh, if they won the game outright and pulled the big upset here but I think the Chiefs this is their time of year and they're ready to go and I like them to win and win big
1: you know, I mean, one of the things right now that I, that I'm that I keep looking at, you know, I mean, if Baker Mayfield wants to prove that he's a big-time quarterback, go to Arrowhead Stadium and upset the Chiefs. Well,
0: that would shut a lot of people up, including Colin Cowherd, right? So their, their, their beef continues uh, out there in uh, social media and uh, uh, the mainstream, if you will. But I, I think Baker, I think he's done enough to prove that he's a pretty good quarterback this year, right? So yeah. let him to the playoffs, won a playoff game. He's going to have that on his record now. You can't take that away from him. And So um, yeah, I'm with you. If he goes and wins this week against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, then yeah, that goes to a whole new level uh, uh, for sure. But, uh, he beat I, him in college. He, he did, right? So you think about the last two uh, last time these guys uh, squared off or maybe not the last time but that, that special game out in Lubbock You know, golly I don't remember how it was 600 and something yards uh, passing for both guys and uh, you know 60 uh, both teams scored in the 60s or something if I'm not mistaken so just a crazy crazy game out there in Lubbock a, a few years ago uh, but I, I think Patrick Mahomes gets the better of him this weekend so I'll take the Chiefs so well let's go to that Sunday evening game uh, butter again I saw some fun stuff on social media and Twitter that showed this uh, the kind of a promo of this game that uh, a picture of Tom Brady Brady with a beard, a picture of Drew Brees with a beard, kind of looking like old men. It had a History Channel logo in between. It's <laughs> you know, kind of com- combined age of 114 years old between these two quarterbacks. Not far from it, right? I think uh, Brees just turned 42. Tom Brady's 43, but and these guys are still making it happen. They're still still out there playing at a super high level here. But Bucks at the Saints. Saints are favored by three. I've seen it oscillate between three, three and a half, and I've even seen it add down to two and a half on one book. The total here, 52, 52 and a half. So, again, relatively high line here for a playoff game. But your thoughts on this one? Again, you have the whole adage about, hey, it's hard to beat a team three times. The Saints won both of the regular season matchups with the Bucs and won them pretty convincingly. Uh, so your thoughts on that and can – Tom Brady in the Bucks Is it third time the charm this weekend, or will Drew Brees and the Saints win uh, and potentially set up a big game against the Packers in the NFC Championship?
1: Man, I mean, I'm, I'm going to agree with the it's hard to beat somebody in one season three times. Um, you know, I mean, and the Buccaneers versus the Saints, I mean, it wasn't that they just lost the game, but they were dominated by the Saints. So in this game right here, I mean – I like I like both of these quarterbacks. I love Tom Brady and I love Drew Brees. Both of these guys, I mean, uh, are great, uh, great athletes, great quarterbacks, great um, guys to have on your team. Just great individuals. Um, you know, I mean, the bad thing is, is somebody's got to lose this ball game. Uh, both of these guys are kind of on the downhill slide towards the end of their careers. You know, I mean, how many uh, more opportunities is Drew Brees going to get? How many more opportunities is Tom Brady going to get? you know I mean being 42 and being 43 but um I like uh in this matchup I mean I like the buccaneers to cover the points and I'm going to lean towards the the over in this one because I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored.
0: Yep, well one thing we agree on here is the over. I'm with you. I think this is going to be a high scoring affair. You know, I, I've gone back and forth on this, Butter. But it's hard, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch. And, again, just just the magnitude. Of, again, you get two first-ballot Hall of Famers at quarterback, two of the greatest to ever play the position. I don't think there's any doubt about it. right? You think about Tom Brady and all the Super Bowl championships, and then Drew Brees. Well, he's got one Super Bowl to his name, should, should probably have maybe one or two more, right? You think about a couple of years ago, they got screwed in that uh, NFC Championship against the Rams and what would happen there, but he owns pretty much every meaningful statistical category from a QB, right? He leads all-time yards, all-time touchdowns, uh, completions, so on and so forth. So really just an epic matchup that, uh, again, we, we shouldn't take for granted because you know another year or two, these guys won't be in the league anymore. You know, it seems like this may be Drew Brees' last rodeo as well. So kind of a lot of things pointing to the fact that he may hang it up this year, regardless of how it shakes out. I think that will factor into this, butter. I don't I think Tom Brady's coming back and playing in 2021. I don't know that Drew Brees will. I like the Saints in this one. And I know it's tough to beat a team three times in a row, but I'll tell you, a lot of money has come in early on the Bucks, and the line hasn't really moved. And so, you know, I I ignored some of the lines and some of the weird stuff going on in that Seahawks and Rams game last weekend, even though we, we looked at it and said, man, that's kind of funny. What's going on there? Well, Vegas knew. I think Vegas might know something here too, Butter. So I'm going to take the Saints to win this thing and cover the three. Again, that's you know, three points you would anticipate that they're going to win and cover if they're going to win the game. I think they make it three for three. Uh, I don't know what it is about the relative matchups in this one, but, again, the Saints won both of those regular season matchups comfortably whenever it was all said and done. And the Bucs have been playing better down the stretch. I think the last three or four weeks of the regular season, you compare these two teams, and without a shadow of a doubt, the Bucs are playing better. But Drew Brees was hurt and kind of coming back from that rib injury. I like the Saints, man, so I'm going to go heads up against you on this one.
1: So what you're saying is you expect this game, the third matchup, to – be the exciting
0: matchup that we called the first two times. <laughs> yes, yes. We were – dead. I, I definitely that, – that week one, you know, obviously, you know, Tom Brady, they're breaking in a new system there at Aaron, uh, Bruce Arians, you know, kind of go – that wasn't so shocking. He didn't play so well, threw a couple picks, so on and so forth. That second <coughs> meeting later on, you know, a month ago or two, you know, six weeks ago, whatever it Tampa. was – that was the one that was shocking, 38-3, just an absolute ass kick, and we did not see that coming. I thought that that one would be much, much more competitive. I think we even maybe picked the Bucks to win that one, if I hearken back to our picks from uh, uh, six, seven weeks ago, whatever it was. But I, I just think there's something about the Saints this year. I think they're going to play well. I do think it's going to be a close game. Again, I like the total here, so uh, or like the over on the total here, so give me 35-31. I do think it's going to be close and I think it's going to be a high scoring affair, but I think the Saints find a way to get it done here, Butter. So I'll take New Orleans. You've got the Bucks and we'll go heads up on this one as well, my friend. So well, well, Butter, you know, we last week on the pod, kind of wrapping some things up here, you know, we did a little draft, you know, kind of a, a snake draft between you and I, a playoff fantasy league, if you will. And so we we drafted players last week. We're going to keep them throughout the playoffs. For the most part, our picks weren't terrible. Right, you had Derrick Henry that didn't turn out to be so hot. I had the Seahawks defense that didn't turn out to be so hot, uh, but for the most part, we did okay. Now I had DK Metcalf of the Seahawks and the Seahawks defense. They're obviously out. We've got them red. You know, we're in red. You're kind of stricken, if you will. You had Derrick Henry and Tyler Lockett. They're out, but it, it, for this week. You've got Aaron Rodgers coming in as your quarterback and Aaron Jones as your running back, Travis Kelsey as well. You would anticipate that those guys will put up big numbers, so no surprise there. I've got Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Robert Tanyan coming in for the Packers as well, and so you would anticipate that those guys will score well. I've got a lead after the wild card round, but obviously still a lot of football to go. But looking at that list, Butter, and looking at the matchups that we know that we have now, you know, which guy from your side of things do you expect to have kind of a huge performance and is going to be your fantasy leader this weekend?
1: Man, I mean, I would have to say, um, I would have to say Aaron Rodgers, man, um, at Lambeau Field. I mean, I think he has a, a great game uh, versus the Rams, even though the Rams. Uh, are coming off that big win, and they do have a stout defense. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers figures out a way to get it done.
0: Yeah, I'm i I'm, I'm going to stay with the quarterback position from my end of it as well. Torn between Josh Allen and Patrick Holmes, right? Josh Allen played really, really well in that first week against the coach, but give me Patrick Mahomes against the Browns again. I like that to be a high-scoring affair, but I like the Chiefs to cover that 10-and-a-half-point uh, spread, score a bunch of points, and obviously they're not going to do that without Patrick Mahomes playing well. So I think Patrick Mahomes is in for a – 30-point performance from a QB standpoint uh, in the divisional round, my friend. So looking forward to that, Uh, and we'll, we'll keep tabs on it, right? So I'm off to an early lead, but still a lot of football to go. So, well, Butterball... Again, we're up against the fifty-minute mark here, almost an hour in, and so I think that just about does it here, my friend. But for our listeners out there, throw that Twitter handle out there, man. So we get—I know we're going to have a bunch of guys and gals playing daily fantasy sports this weekend on both Saturday and Sunday. They might be looking for some uh, fantasy advice out there. You know, if they want want your opinion, how can they get at you, bud? Throw that Twitter handle for us.
1: Okay, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy underscore Curen or AKA the Fantasy Fessional. And that is J-E-R-E-M-Y underscore V A N C
0: U R E M. Absolutely, brother. Well, again, I appreciate you being in studio. It was a great wild card weekend this past weekend. We can only hope that the divisional games will live up to that same standard. And I think they will. I think we're in, in store for a fun weekend from a NFL playoff standpoint for sure. So, well, again, Butter, I appreciate you being here, bud. And while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, remember the conversation doesn't end here. To keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, uh, and to keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.